Welcome to Built Brave. Driven women sharing their stories to show others what is possible for them. Because we were all born brave. I'm your host, Lo Wentworth, and this is Built Brave. Are you ready? Hi guys! Welcome back to the Built Brave Podcast. So this episode actually aired back in January with Casey and my intuition was guiding me to post it again uh, during this time discussing vulnerability and you know discussing different hardships you have with other people and creating that sense of community and building those bridges of connection that vulnerability actually creates. And I think that's something we need a little reminder of because we're living in a world that I'm just like, 2020, can we just get to New Year's Eve 2021? Maybe we get out of the matrix and they're like, oh, just kidding. None of this was real. Anyways, just kidding. With all of that's going on, I think we have lost and a sense of in society or what I've been seeing on social media and mainstream media and trying to limit myself of is that sense of empathy and vulnerability, giving someone the benefit of the doubt, forgiveness, and all of that, where I think in a time we need it more than ever. And with that, let us begin. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited for today's guest, Casey. And just so you know, I'm getting over being sick, so that's why that sounds so wonderful. And I'm gracious to have you guys listening. So with that, Casey, I'm so excited to have you on. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Hi, my name is Casey. I am 23. I live here in Philadelphia, and I work at a cute little boutique called Smack Parlor. Um, I graduated right here out of Philly. I'm from Delaware, so I'm an East Coast girl through and through. I love it here. Um, And I went to Philly U, and I wanted to stay in Philadelphia, so I got a job at the boutique, and I'm the assistant store manager there, Um, which is really cool to work at a small boutique because it's a little family, and it's you kind of get to do a little bit of everything. I feel like I have like 10 roles. I'm like an assistant buyer. I do the visual merchandising, but I also have my boss who helps me with the visual merchandising, and we all kind of just work together, which is really, really cool and a very interesting first job, kind of right into the adult world to be able to do a little bit of everything. I like it. I'm like learning a lot there. So it's nice. Yeah, I would say that's also a lot of responsibility, like the first gate out. So how, like what's been a major lesson you've learned from that all? It's been, I think, first it was comparing myself because when I was graduating college, all of my friends were going to big fashion companies. They were going to Burlington and QVC and these big names you hear in Philadelphia. And I was like going to this little tiny boutique, being like a store manager. It didn't really sound as enticing as everyone else when they had these big roles. So at first it was like kind of believing I had a real job, if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. I had to convince myself like, yeah, I might not be at some big corporate office, but I have a great job that I love going to. That's important that I get to do cool things at. So at first it was kind of figuring out my position. And once I got that, it was just like owning it. Like now smack is like my life. Like I like 
anyone who knows me, people who have no idea where the store is or even what it is, they know where I work because I post about it and I talk about it. And it's been kind of just like now it's, it's a part of my life. So I, I love it. It's not as big of a responsibility or as big of a burden at first where I felt like, I don't really know what I'm doing now. I'm like, Oh, that's like my, my job. That's my life. Like smacks where I live. <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually really amazing. And a good point you put out, like comparing yourself. It sounded a little bit like you had like imposter syndrome. Cause you're just, you have all of these responsibilities, like deciding like what clothes would be coming in and all of that where it could take some people who do the traditional route like 10 years to even get to that spot. Yes. So it was hard when my friends would be talking about like what they're doing at certain jobs that they loved, but I was doing the same thing on just such a small scale. Like they're buying for like urban outfitters Mm -hmm. and I'm buying for like a little tiny boutique where we buy like a handful of things a week. So it was just that feeling at first of trying to figure out like, okay, your job still matters just because it's not doing it for a hundred stores doing it for one store that's enough right and that's also like something that's really hard for people too is like comparing them and like other people's jobs it's supposed to be like so glorious that you know we're all supposed to have want to have that shiny corner office when we're not all meant to have that shiny corner office yeah it doesn't happen right away too that was like the other thing like I kept thinking like oh well I'm it's like, I'm, I just graduated college. I have to give it time. It does not happen overnight where I felt like, I think in college, you think it does. Like mm-hmm. you believe that like, as soon as you graduate, you're just going to like be CEO of some company. <laughs> like no one says that, but you just think it when you're in college. So graduating, I think everyone at first was kind of just like, Oh, that's not how that works here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to put in some time, like in anything that you do, you have to put in like the work and like understanding and starting things out. I mean, I personally love boutiques just because they are personalized and they like, they take the time. And like you said, like it's a family thing, like they care about it. You're just not a number and I'm not a fan of anything that treats anyone like a number. Yeah. We, we always our like mission statement is we want you to feel like you're shopping with your best friend. So I want you to come in and like, there are so many customers that I know everything about in the store. Like I, if I saw them out in public, people would be like, how do you guys know each other? But I would tell you what they did last weekend. I would tell you where their engagement photos were taken at. Like I build such a connection with customers because I want them to come in and be like, Hey, you know, that party I was telling you about last week, I still need an outfit for it. And then I already know what they like, what they want to wear. It's, it's a very good, I love personal connection like that. It's really important to me. So it's another reason I really like my job. Yeah. And I've been there. So it's a, I love the atmosphere. I need to go in sometime. Have you yeah. personal shop for me? I mean, I yeah. love my le- leather skirt. I got. <laughs> we have a lot of cute stuff. It's very hard to work there too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I bet. Um, so yeah. So we actually met at the Naked Networking, the first event, and you were a panelist. And you mentioned your own um, story about vulnerability, which I loved and would love to hear more about that. Yeah. So Shelby approached us to talk about two different sides of confidence. She wanted one side to talk about like the really powerful, we had a woman on there who works in finance, which women in finance is not that common. So she was like very confident. And then the other side was about being vulnerable and like open. And right away, I knew I wanted to talk about vulnerability because that is something I feel really, really passionate about. Um, And I I told the story when I was younger, it started in like fifth grade. I developed an eating disorder really, really young before I probably even knew 
fully what that meant. I had started restricting what I was eating. I had a super unhealthy relationship with food. Every food to me was good or bad. Like there was no in between. It was never, I could just have something. It was like, this is a good food. This is a bad food. Um, and as I got older, it developed into a really unhealthy eating, really healthy, unhealthy relationship with working out. I would like work out in the shower because it was like downtime. And I was like, oh, I can get some, some like crunches or squats or whatever in there. And I would work out before bed and I would work out the second I woke up and eating was like the worst part of my day. It was just crazy. And all of that was happening behind closed doors. Like no one knew what I was dealing with, not even my best friends. Um, the only person that knew was my mom and that's because moms always know best and I think mm -hmm. she kind of knew that I was like struggling and she was like do you want to go see someone so still very young I think I was in like eighth or ninth grade I went and started talking to someone and I just didn't connect to the situation like I just felt like I couldn't really be open I felt like it just wasn't for me so I took myself out of that and I struggled for another maybe like two years um before I finally decided to just say that I had an eating disorder, like say the words, put it in the universe. And all of a sudden that like secret that I had been keeping for so many years, just slowly started to feel less like it started to lighten. And I felt like, okay, I said it like now people know. And then the next step was just kind of like, I think the first person, the second person I told was my sister. Um, and she actually dealt with her own problems, which I never knew about. We were, my sister's my best friend and I literally didn't know any of this was going on. Um, so by telling her, she told me and we just built this like super open relationship. Where we're both like, Hey, we're really struggling with something. Um, and she got help and I've got help. And we kind of got to this point where we have a better relationship. I think the difficult part about eating is you have to do it every single day. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't get easier. You're always, there are days where it's really, really hard and days where I don't even think about it. Um, holidays are tough because it's, you know, the treats and the cookies and everyone talks about the gaining weight. So it's certain things that'll bring it back. But what I wanted to talk about in the Naked Networking and what I talk about now is just talking about it, being mm -hmm. open, being vulnerable, because it takes that secret and it just like puts into the universe. And even if you only tell one person, telling my sister already helped. And then in high school, I told my best friend, she was actually dealing with something. So then I became, we kind of got talking to each other about it. And, um, I helped her along with her journey. So it was like these, I would tell maybe five people and one person in there would connect to me and I would learn something from them that like I couldn't do myself. So talking about things and getting them away from just you. So it's not just mm -hmm. your secret, I think is so, so powerful. So many people have things happen to them that weigh down on them. And then you know, five months of only talking to yourself about it, it becomes this like nasty secret that like mm -hmm. never started that way. It never had to be that, but because you don't tell anyone, it just becomes this like crazy monster. Right. You just start like building it up in your mind. And it gets um, worse and worse. And it becomes like this crazy secret that like, maybe if you had talked about it right in the beginning, it was like not even really that intense mm -hmm. and then it makes you feel even more like alone and like isolated from other people and, so tough. i mean i remember when i was going through law school my first semester like right after we did midterms and like law school midterms are rough like it is just Can't even insane imagine. i if anyone wants to talk about going to law school i'll give you a frank <laughs> conversation about that what that looks like <laughs> Um, but I remember we were in the bathroom, there were a handful of women in there and one of them 
I don't know what it was, just had the bravery to ask, like, do you just like cry every day? And it was like popcorn of like breath of fresh air. And I'm like, oh my God, me too. And I sat there and I'm like, wow, this is sad that we're in a bathroom having this conversation. And it took us this long to get here, but at least we're acknowledging the fact that we're all going through crap at the moment and that we're not alone. Yeah, it's it's crazy how everyone kind of goes through the same thing. Like everyone feels the same way. Everyone has the same struggles, but no one talks about it. So it feels like you're crazy. Like you Mm -hmm. think you're the only one, like you said, you think you're the only one crying every day. I think I'm the only one dealing with, you know, body issues and not feeling confident. And then it's like, wait, every single person feels the exact same way. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, I mean, social media doesn't help any of that where everyone's like putting their best foot forward and being like, I'm so great. I'm so this. And editing and all of that where I'm just like can you just be real for a moment like life has ups and downs like what is one thing that is challenging you right now and that is that is so true social media creates this crazy perfect expectation and even as someone who posts you Mm -hmm. feel like you have to post perfectly like every picture has to be the exact perfect lighting and the caption and this and it just perpetuates this like you can't have anything wrong so mm-hmm. then everything that's wrong is still a secret and it just is this like awful vicious cycle. Right. Which I think is really ludicrous. Cause then I, I go back to like in basics of thinking of, and being like, okay, would we do this to a little kid? Yeah. We'd want it. We cheer them on, push them. We'd want them to get dirty and get messy and then share it with the world so that they can learn and grow where it's just like all of a sudden, like you turn, we'll just like turn 18 and you're supposed to know everything. Yeah. And, and everything's just, supposed to be perfect. And like, mm-hmm. and it's so funny you say that. Cause I remember when I was dealing with my eating disorder issues, one of my therapists was like, would you ever talk to your best friend the way that you talk to yourself? And that has stuck with me through all these years because I would never like the things mm-hmm. that I was saying to myself, I would never say to someone else. Um, and that was kind of just like another thing where like everybody just talks so negatively to themselves. Like, you have to post this perfect life because anything else you're in your own head and you're like, mm-hmm. it's not good enough. It's not, no one's going to like it. No one's going to think it's cute or funny. Or if I tell this story, no one's going to like it. So you just like, you get so trapped in this bubble that mm-hmm. you put around yourself and like, you can't get out of it. Sometimes you're just constantly overthinking and it turns into this like very isolating little bubble and you shut everyone out. Yeah which isn't fun for like anyone. Cause like as humans, we're here for like meant for human connection. Right. And I read somewhere, even like with social media, everyone's BS meters are like stronger now because they can look at it and be like, well, that's fake. Right. That's not the real you like, come on. Mm-hmm. So, but going back to along the lines with like the eating disorder and stuff, do you know what triggered you into becoming so obsessed with like food and all of that and getting healthy? I think it, it kind of just started from a young age of my sister being really athletic. Mm -hmm. Um, And my sister was popular and she was gorgeous and, you know, she was good at sports and she was very fit. My sister has been fit her whole life Mm -hmm. and I was not, we were very different and I wasn't, you know, anything crazy. I was a little girl, but in my head, I saw this, I saw my sister who was really athletic and got a lot of praise for that. And I was like, Oh, well, that's what I want to be. Like it started off so innocently 
And then it just spiraled into this crazy thing that I couldn't even control. And it, it always is about, or it always was about like, what are people thinking of me? Mm-hmm. Like that was always the basis of it. When I would eat, I have a really, even still to this day, I'm 23 years old. I have a really hard time eating in front of people. And it started from this, well, what are they thinking if I eat too much? Or what are they thinking if I eat this? Or are they going to think I shouldn't be eating this dessert? And it, that's kind of where it started. It was like, what are people thinking of what I'm doing or what I look like? And, you know, if I'm not working out, are people going to think mm-hmm. I should be? If I'm working out and doing something wrong, should people think? And it's like, it goes on and on of all these things that people are thinking. And then you slowly start to think that yourself. No one was really thinking it in the first place, but now you start to think it yourself and it just that developed into struggles with eating, which mm. when you get to high school, you're awkward and weird and no one is, <laughs> no one knows what's going on. Like mm. it, that paired with just the time in my life when I started developing the eating disorder were two crazy things. Like it just, they, they could not have come at a worse time together because I felt like I was like awkward. And then I, to me, I blamed it on my weight, but mm. it was just life. And now looking back, I can realize that. But at the time it was always, well, I wasn't skinny enough or I wasn't pretty enough or I wasn't, you know, whatever it is you create in your head. Yeah. You start believing in the stories you tell yourself when they're like not actually true. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Which is challenging even like you, because in this day and age, I know, especially like in law school, it's like you're trained to like anticipate like the issues. Mm -hmm. And I get to the point of like, I can't be analyzing so much about like if x happens then yes a b z whatever can happen how about let's like x happens and see what happens Mm. instead of trying to figure out like all of these cues and all of that and just being like you know upfront and vulnerable with people which is really interesting I mean I've had challenges myself with that talking to my friends and being like you know instead of getting mad when they say something that triggers me being like take a breath and being like okay this is what you said. This is what happened in my head. Yep. And you just start to like spiral mm-hmm. out of control and it starts as this one little thing. And then it becomes like something, it, it, it just keeps going and it becomes something it wasn't even to begin with. Um, which is really, like you said, it's really tough to just try, always try to think about what's going to happen instead of just in the moment when mm-hmm. you have more control, you have a clear head, you're, you're right there you're thinking 10 steps ahead and that's where everything gets met. That's where everything gets lost. Right. And I mean, presence is what I say is power. So when you're present, you're able to be clear be in the moment and enjoy what is going on instead of like worrying about like what's happening next or. Yeah. So Cause then you, you lose any ability to control the situation. Like mm-hmm. when you are thinking 20 steps ahead, you've already lost what's happening right now. Yeah so much so it's just it's just so interesting when you start like sharing that with people because I know you shared it on social media so I'd like to know like how did you build up the confidence to take that step to share that on social media and what was it like afterwards not easy (laughs) it was um I think it started when I got to college and I started living with people and I think my roommate at the time kind of realized that I had a weird relationship with food. And at that time I had been pretty healed, I guess, from the eating disorder, but it, like I said, you eat every day. So it's never easy. 
And she told me, you know, she like asked me one time and I told her, you know, I struggled with an eating disorder and she hadn't in her life. She didn't have anything to share, but she was like, okay, like I'm here for you. Like if you ever need to talk about it, my door's open. And I was like, oh, like that was a really good, like I, I always thought she was, some people were going to look at me different or they were going to be like, oh, you know, that makes sense. Like you should be dealing with something like that. You know, these awful wow. thoughts that don't even make sense. Um, and it started with telling her and I realized that it, people kind of understood me a little bit better and I didn't seem so anxious when I was eating. She kind of was like, oh, I get it. Like that's what's going on. Um, and then it started with another friend and it was this period of like making new friends. I think that inspired it because my friends from high school kind of knew what I was going through and they also didn't really live with me. I would go home and struggle, whereas they only saw me, you know, eight hours during the school day. So being in college away from home and meeting people where you spend your whole life with them, you eat, you party, you go to school, you do everything. I felt like, okay, well, I'm not being, I'm not being real if, if they don't know this about me. Like it is a huge part of who I am. It is a huge part of the decisions that I make and I have to tell someone. Um, so it started with that and then it kind of just turned into wanting to talk about it on social media and wanting to just let people know that like, it's not this like far fetched thing. And it all started with my tattoo. So on my arm, I have love you inside out tattooed and I wanted a tattoo for self love and I couldn't figure out what it was that I wanted. And then I honestly heard the chain smokers song it's called inside <laughs> out and it's about loving a girl, like loving mm -hmm. someone this much, but the line love you inside out. I like, I even get chills now thinking about it. I remember just like instantly connecting to that. I was like, I love that. Like I love myself inside out. So I made a goal for myself and I was like, I'm going to get it at the end of the summer. And summer came and I got the tattoo and I wanted to post about it on social media. It's just like, look, I got a new tattoo. And my roommate was like, well, are you going to explain what it means? And I was like, I don't know. I don't want people to think I'm like trying to ask for attention or mm. I'm dramatic. And I don't want people to think I'm like throwing a pity party. And so I went through like probably 5,000 drafts of like a little five word <laughs> caption. Um, but I ended up making a caption and it was just like, this is, you know, my promise to myself to, it was like, love yourself when no one does or when people don't, mm -hmm. um, forever struggling with an eating disorder. And that one was, that sentence was like the one that people connected to. And I, my comments like overflowed with people just being like, you know, we love you. This is amazing. And then slowly it was like the inbox and people were being like, like, it was just, I will never forget this one guy that I went to college with that I really had no connection to. He DM'd me and he was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. He was like, the fact that you're so open about this is like, he was like, that is like really, really badass. And I remember thinking like, how a guy thinks that like girls always have each other's back. Right. You know? Like you post a selfie, you're commenting under your friend's picture, like best picture ever. Like girls are always here, but for a guy to realize it mm -hmm. and he wasn't trying to like flirt or anything. He was literally saying, that's really cool that you can post that. Um, and then slowly girls would DM me and they were like, you know, I, I've been following you cause I've been posting on social media forever. I've always wanted mm -hmm. to be, you know, known for social media. I love taking pictures and all that stuff, creating content. So girls would be like, I've been following you and I never knew you dealt with that. Like, that's so crazy. You just opened up like a whole new world for me. And that was when I started to realize that people like to see that mm -hmm. people like need to see that you're struggling with something and that you're going through something maybe they're exactly going through. So it started with a one little Instagram post and then that opened the door to like people talking about it, which was very helpful. Yeah, that 
what you said about like people are wanting to know about it it's because like they want to know you're re real that things are like obtainable i always talk about it like with my own personal journey is like don't put me on pedestal like i will knock down that pedestal because i'm i'm a human person i may do things that you think are scary and terrifying and you would never ever do but i am also human and i go through those things yeah but, and it's not as easy as just posting it because i did have people no pretend that I was doing it for attention. Um, the guy that I was with at the time, I think he had a tough time with me being so open. And I think he had his own, we were young when we were together, mm -hmm. he had his own insecurities. And he was like, well, you're doing it for attention. He was like, you don't actually mean that. Like you're just posting it to get people to like, and that was like, oh my God, that is true. Like people think that about me. And it mm -hmm. just, he kind of spoke this big insecurity that I had. And then a few of my friends from home who have known me forever were like, what are you posting that for? Like you were fine, you know, and they kind of didn't realize how big of a thing it was. So it wasn't as, it, it was easy as posting the comment, but I didn't get, you know, hundred percent perfect answers. Some people definitely were like, we've known you forever. What do you mean? You just all of a sudden have this eating disorder. And it's like, Oh, I've had it the whole time. We've known each other. I just haven't told you about it. Like mm. I think people sometimes create this idea about you. And then if you, say something that's not in their thought process, they're like, well, that's not true. Like you didn't deal with that. That didn't happen to you. And so mm -hmm. it's, you will get some people who don't understand why you're doing it. Right. And that shouldn't stop anyone from doing it. You should right. use your voice because you're going to have more people come to you saying thank you for it. Yep. Or maybe it's just like one person. Mm -hmm. Like my whole philosophy is in me even using my own voice is like, there's just one person out there that needs to hear whatever I have to say. Mm -hmm. and I will produce, create content, do whatever that is for that one person. I don't care who that is. Yeah. And I think that that it's weird. I think him kind of speaking into the existence, my fears actually helped me. It was kind of like, I was so taken back. I was like, no, I'm posting this mm -hmm. because I want to share my story. And it like almost like lit a fire in me, it like reaffirmed why I was doing it. It wasn't like he spoke something and then I was like, oh yeah, he's, you know, that person's right. I am doing it. For it was like, no, I'm doing it for the right reasons. I know why I'm saying the things that I'm saying. And it like inspired me to make it more authentic, more true. I wanted to not even prove them wrong, but just prove myself. Like this is mm -hmm. why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for the right reasons. And that's why people respect it. Right. Isn't it beautiful? Like how the universe shows up for those lessons. I am a big fan of the universe mm -hmm. and I believe in it. And there are things that you look back on and you're like, whoa, that mm -hmm. is crazy to think of how, if you had told me in that moment what this situation would create, it's, it's, you can't even believe it. I know. I've had so many aha moments where I'm like, oh, that's how that manifested. <laughs> okay. Not my intention, but awesome. Yep. The universe always, always has your back. And I love, I love looking back at moments like that too, where you're like, where was the moment that everything like changed? And you can, sometimes you can pinpoint these exact memories where you're like that's where I decided to do this which led to this and mm -hmm. next thing you know you have a whole new like adventure <laughs> right it just goes back to like like my own belief system like I grew up seeing the negative Nancy the world out to get you and all of that and I remember like being eight and being like I don't want to be like that I always want to see the good in people which has been a challenge because people aren't used to you always seeing the good in them yeah and over time it's transitioned into like believing in the good in people and they're like, and I've had some people, you can't do that. The world's like out to get you. Like people are shitty. And I go, 
well, let me take a step back and be like, they're going through something. Yeah. Even if I'm triggered and they make me mad, I take a step back and be like, they're going through something. It's not me. It's them. And they're not my people. So then send them love and go on. I always say that in regards to social media. Um, You know, the people that say the most negative things are the ones that have the worst self-confidence or, you know, like if if you post a good picture and somebody's like, Oh, she's asking for attention with that. Mm -hmm. It's because they're dealing with something in themselves. If you have trouble going on inside, you can't see clearly, you know, you think you just project everything wrong with you onto someone else. So that is so true where people are just like, they just have such a jaded view. It's because they're going through something in themselves mm-hmm. and they don't have the clarity yet to like, be like, yes, post that bikini picture. That's a little like, like you're showing too much skin. Like someone who's comfortable with themselves is going to be like, if you feel good, post it. Someone mm-hmm. else is going to be like, Oh, they're, you know, they're just trying to, they're asking for attention. It's, it's definitely not how that's ha- supposed to happen. Right. And I even experience not this in like drinking because I don't drink that often. I rarely do. <laughs> Excuse me. I will go out and have like fun with my friends and stuff. But I've noticed when I decided like I didn't want to be drinking because I didn't like how I felt in my body afterwards the next day. Mm-hmm. And they would say things about me being like uptight or that I never drink or why I'm not drinking and make a big deal about it. And I'd sit here and be like, I'm not here to make you feel comfortable. Yeah. And it's not your body. It's mine. I'm here to have fun. If you want to drink, go drink. If you want to do stupid stuff and have drinking as the excuse, go for it. I'm not going to judge you on it, but I'm not going to do it myself. Yeah. And I think people can't, understand that like they just think their way of thinking is like the only way so they're like well we're this age we're going out like why aren't you and it's like well no one no one says that's how it has to be that's how a lot of people do it but you don't have to be that way right (laughs) which is just really so interesting too because sometimes it takes me back and being like can you put yourself in my shoes for a minute understand where I'm coming from yeah (laughs) People cannot do that. <laughs> no, no, not especially when they're in that jaded um, space. Especially I, in my own experience, it's like they're crying for help, but they're wanting someone to notice. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, how do you notice something like what's actually going on if you're not willing to be like, oh, hey, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, and I mean, going through social media, like, what are like other stuff you've also shared on social media? Like you've been vulnerable. And before we get to that, I just want to put like, when you share stuff and being vulnerable and authentic, it's really amazing to see and people notice that. And I mean, I really do just, I think that's just something important to say to people that you can share and that you're not actually getting attention. Cause you would know, like you said, yeah. you drafted like how many drafts for that yeah. post. There are some posts where I'm like, this is really vulnerable for me. Like, is this word right? Is that word right? And then I'm just like, nope, I'm just going to post it. Yeah. And you, you start to think of what it goes back to that worrying about what other people are thinking. You're like, Mm -hmm. is this word right? Are they going to think I mean something I don't? Are they going to think I'm trying to, you know, get something out of this? So it's like, goes back to that whole, you're just so worried about what people are thinking about. But I also share about my endometriosis. I always dealt with health issues. Um, when I was younger and when I went, when I got older, it was like, it turned into this really crazy thing. Nobody could figure out what was going to. I had been to like a million doctors. 
um, because endometriosis is really hard to diagnose. You can't actually diagnose it until you have surgery. So doctors are less likely to give you the surgery and, and see if you have it. They just kind of like, it's getting better now. But at the time, I didn't even know what that word was. <laughs> like I was mm-hmm. like, what? Um, and that made me feel the exact same way that the eating disorder did. Is I felt so isolated. Mm-hmm. I felt so crazy. And it is for anyone who doesn't know, endometriosis is a fertility disease where the lining of your uterus actually grows outside of your uterus, which creates a whole other realm of health issues. But it has a lot to do with your period and it has a lot to do with fertility and all these things that make you a woman and make you a girl uh and growing up and being like then it was like this whole thing of my period was always weird and people didn't understand it and I felt so crazy and so isolated because I had these awful periods mm-hmm. and then I got older and it turned into the fertility issue and to feel like betrayed by your own body is a really tough thing and to feel like the one thing that makes you a woman, the ability to have kids, the one thing that a woman can do that a man cannot, to have that be a question for you, you know, they're always like, you know, it cuts your fertility rate in half. Um, I also suffer from PCOS, which is another fertility disease. So that as well makes fertility like a really scary word for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really isolating. Like it is so tough because women who have normal periods and normal bodies, they do not think twice about if they're going to have kids or not. It's just like something. But for me, anytime I think about it, I'm like, well, you know, I hope I can have kids one day. I hope that that's something. So it was, that one was actually harder to come to terms with sharing on social media because it was very, very vulnerable. I still struggle with it today. Um, but I, when I first got my surgery, I wanted to post about it because it was endometriosis awareness. And I was like, you know what? I just got this crazy surgery that took like half of my life out of me. I was in recovery for like two weeks, like really bad recovery, um, just mental and and everything. Mm -hmm. And when I shared it, that was like when the floodgates opened of people being like, oh my God, I just got diagnosed with endometriosis. I didn't even know what that word was. Like, that's so crazy that you got diagnosed. And then it was another person. And slowly this little circle of people were built that all had endometriosis and they were from all over and random girls I didn't even know. And then it turned into girls I did know. Girls I went to college with and girls I went to high school with slowly started DMing me and being like, oh my God, I have endometriosis. And so that's what inspired me to kind of talk about it more. And then just recently, actually, I had to get surgery for something fertility related. And it was oh, I don't, I had no idea how mental it was going to be. Like it took the biggest toll on me. I, the entire month of November, I don't think I felt like myself like one single day. Like I, my body wasn't doing what it was supposed to. My mind wasn't, I just felt so awful. And I was like suffering in silence, kind of like really only my mom knew. And I would text her like every single day, like mom, I'm literally like at the end of my rope. Like I can't do this anymore. And she was like, you know, being the amazing mom she is. And she's like, you got this, whatever. And I finally decided to talk about it on social media. And it was like, the weight was lifted. And it's like, Mm -hmm. what I like, the thing about vulnerability that I always try to preach, like I was saying, is just like, sharing your secret makes it not a secret. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, me putting out to the universe that I haven't felt like myself an entire month. I've cried pretty much every time that I'm not at work. Like if I, I wake up in the morning and cry, I'm going to sleep crying. And all of a sudden it was like, whew. I'm not doing it alone anymore. Like, even if no one noticed, I just put into the universe mm-hmm. that already made me feel, get, feel better. People did notice. 
um, so many people were DMing me and they were like, oh my God, I have the same thing or I have endometriosis too and I feel the same way. And <coughs> it's crazy with the store as well, with, with being part of Smack Parlors. I have girls and people who follow me from the store and so many customers DMed me and they were like, I never knew this about you. Like, this is so crazy. I come in and see you all the time. I never knew you were struggling with this. It is so nice to see someone talk about it. And that was like the like perfect, I felt so better after I was like, that is exactly what I was hoping for is people just saying, I go through the same thing and no one is talking about it. No one is posting about it. You have the confidence to post about it. And thank you for that. And it was mm -hmm. like, people don't realize that them saying that to me was giving me confidence. It's like this really nice cycle. Um, but those DMs are things you can't, like, I couldn't ignore that. I'm like, if people mm -hmm. like me sharing about it, I have to keep sharing about it. And then that inspired another story where I was just like, give people a break. Like you never know mm -hmm. what they're suffering through behind closed doors. And I put in, it's funny. I put it in the, I put it on an Instagram story and someone DM'd me and they're like, I love that last line. And I said, some people have the confidence to post about it. Like I do, but everyone is going through it. So like, mm -hmm. even if someone isn't making it their story, they're probably going through something. So give everyone like the benefit of the doubt. And so many people were like, yes, this is so true. Like I'm too scared to post on social media, but thank you for like making it known. And I was mm -hmm. like, yes, I wish more people could do that. Yes. And even so much though, I feel like this holiday season for whatever reason, like everyone, like we were talking about it earlier, it's just like so short and everyone's just hustling yes. and just forgetting about it. But it's also being like, you know, everyone, is going through something mm -hmm. the holidays are happening the holidays are a major trigger for people mm -hmm. whether they're going through an eating disorder or not like it's triggering and you know everyone's that much more stressed i mean i saw your story and i'm just like oh i love it I'm like, yes, <laughs> please share more again like more people need yeah. like that and i i think that it's i follow people who have who go through the same things as me and people who, you know, are like, thank you for sharing. And then a lot of people follow me. They're like, I have no idea what you are talking about. They, and it's, mm -hmm. that's, those are the people that I like that I can like open their eyes to something. Like you don't have to know what I'm talking about. You don't have to go through it. You don't ever have to have an eating disorder and you never have to have endometriosis. But if you can understand that people have things like this, mm -hmm. that is all the better because I'm sure that they have something that I could never understand. And it's like just getting that open conversation about, you know, people struggle with things that you can't see. Not everyone has mm -hmm. a sickness that looks like, you know, you can see it on your face. Like everyone struggles with things separately. Um, and that's just what I want. I hope that my Instagram, like, you know, I really, my intentions for 2020 are to make it a little bit more like an open, like I want to really pursue Instagram and the social mm -hmm. media world. Um, and YouTube, I really want to get into that. And I want to make videos and things that let people know that like that stuff happens and people deal with things all the time and you never know. And I just want to like open the conversation and get people to realize that that's a goal of mine. That's actually a really awesome goal. Like, I love it. Yeah. I'm putting it into the universe for 2020 to like, I want one person who never has any idea who I am. And I just want them to be like, oh, you kind of taught me something I didn't know before. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really what I'm hoping I can do. I mean, that was the whole reason I started this podcast as well as to feature like women doing it and then like use my own I voice again. So that like, so people know that they're not alone at all, which is, I mean, been a challenge for me, especially like, have you done like the Enneagram at all? 
No. Okay. So I'll send you, it's a test that you can take in a, it's a personality test. Okay. Um, and there's like nine different enneagrams and they have wings, but I'm an eight and an eight is like the challenger, the rebel, the like protector, like all of that. So when we talk about vulnerability, that's like their thing is just like uh vulnerability, but yet it's the gateway to everything. Yeah. I think so many people think that that's like a bad word. Mm-hmm. And it's funny when we were planning for the naked networking event, we had someone in um, to come talk to us about being on a panel. And she said something really powerful that I actually really liked is she was like, you don't have to cry to get people to like connect to your story. Mm-hmm. Like your story does not have to be some like sitting up there fighting through tears. I had an eating disorder. People can get your story when you're like strong about it. And that's what I loved is that I think people think vulnerability is like crying and like Mm -hmm. breaking down and like this whole open raw situation where it can be that, but it it can also be owning it. You can be vulnerable and just own it. I had an eating disorder. I have endometriosis. Those are two very tough things for people to understand and I own it and I'm being vulnerable by telling you, but I'm not crying. I'm not like this puddle on the floor. I'm like, no, I have it. And you can talk about it. I think changing the way people think about vulnerability is really important. Oh my God. You're preaching to the fire. <laughs> Cause I would coach people and they'd be there. I go vulnerability isn't blood and guts on the floor all the time. I'm like, I'm vulnerable. Every time I go to a restaurant, they're like, why I'm lactose. So I tell them I'm lactose. I'm putting it in their hands that they're not going to put any milk products yeah. in my food. So therefore, the, hopefully they don't, and that way I don't end up looking and feeling like I'm nine months pregnant when I know that that would be like a miracle from God if that were to happen. But, <laughs> right. And they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I think people just get so scared about being, because I think confidence, when you think of the word confidence, you just think of like strong and in your face mm-hmm. and powerful. And those words do not come to your mind when you think of vulnerable. It's like almost all the opposite words. Mm-hmm. And I think they're, they can be the same. They should be the same. That's why talking about, and I think, you know, society is hopefully making its way towards that. People are being so much more open about mental, you know, illness. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's entering a really good phase. And I hope that by more people talking about mental illness and more people talking about things like that, people realize it isn't scary to talk about it and you can be, you can own it. You can have a smile on your face and talk about something really bad that happened to you. And that's normal. And it builds connections. Cause like you said earlier, like I may not understand what it's like to go through endometriosis or be facing the fact that like, I may not be able to have my own children naturally, but I have gone through similar situations that I can empathize with the feeling of being like, Oh, well crap. Yeah. I've been there with you. Like I'm there with you, not in the same sense, but understanding like, shitty things happen different things happen yeah and that's something I like about you doing a podcast and and people you know that's the thing like it's easy to read a you know an Instagram from a famous person or a Instagram celebrity of them talking about something open but you don't know them you can't really Mm -hmm. build as much of a connection you think you do but you only really know their social media presence whereas like you starting this podcast you're like opening the door to be like I'm a real person like these are real people. I'm your friends and family and everyone is listening to this. Like they know who you are and it just builds that like, it is a real person thing. And that's what I like is that people that I went to grade school with can, can hear about it. And I'm not some random person on the internet. They're like, Oh wait, I actually know that girl. Like I went to school with her or I'm from the same hometown as her. Like 
that's what helps people not feel so alone. Right, which is awesome. Um, and just going like deeper into my story as well, like I shared um, with my family, what, what year is this? Oh, it was 2019. So back at like in 2017, I told them, I'm like, I was sexually abused for my whole like middle school years. Like I couldn't remember any of my middle school years other than basketball. And for a while I sit there and um, before I went through like an emotional intelligence training program and realized what was blocking me, I'm like, why the hell can I not remember my middle school years? And then something happened where I remembered and it just like all clicked. And so then it was just like, again, I got to tell someone. Mm-hmm. So I, before, um, what did I do? One day I just, I wrote like a future letter to myself. Um, it was an exercise that was given to us. And at like the end of it, it was just like, you know, I forgave the person, but then like I told my family and immediately after writing it and reading that letter, I did that whole, it was a Saturday, that whole day I was told my family, different family members, and, like, are you available? I want to chat. Are you available? I want to chat. And like, they were all just like, oh my gosh. And some were like, well, okay, that explains a lot. And like, oh, this felt so great. Right. So my best friend afterwards, there was sometimes I'm like, you're coming with me. You're going to be sitting here on this phone call with me so I can do this. And then we're going to go celebrate. So, but yeah, again, it was just like, so no one feels like they're alone mm-hmm. to go through like all of that. Like we all have our quote unquote shit going on. Yeah. And I also am very much a proponent of like not comparing ourselves because it's just like, just because say you had an eating disorder and I was sexually abused doesn't make mine or yours any worse Mm -hmm. than the other because it's something we went through. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also important for people to understand is that you are all going through stuff. So don't discount where you are at in your own situation or like throw out like, I hate the line, there are starving people in Africa. I'm like, yes, there are starving people everywhere, but that does not lessen the fact that you are going through shit right now and you feel like shit. Yeah, and I I love that. I that is something I so connect to because you know, you sometimes you have to like sit in the like shit. (laughs) You have to like be feel awful. You have to have a bad day where you go home and you cry, you ugly cry, Mm -hmm. and you like eat a pint of ice cream. Because to go through that, you can have the better days. And I think some people are like, I'll get over it. You know, this happened to you or whatever. Well, look, now you're fine. That's mm-hmm. my favorite line is like, oh, <laughs> oh, especially, yeah. especially with endometriosis and the fertility, older women are like, well, I know someone who had a kid. And I'm like, okay, we all do. Like <laughs> their, their body is not the same as mine. And sometimes you just need to like be ugly and gross and sad mm-hmm. and like feel it because that's what creates the like, better moments and once you get it all out it like leads all this room to be able to have a better mindset and better feeling about it oh my gosh yes that's where like I'm I hate I used to be emotional stuffer and and the body holds it in and women they hold it a lot in the hips Mm -hmm. so I mean over this past year I've been working with someone to like open up my hips which has been like triggering because that emotions come up and sometimes after like I leave her I'll be crying in my car but it was also me being able to be in my body I did yoga I became a yoga teacher and that taught me to get into my body and check in to see how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. and feeling my feelings and my emotions and just let them be because I also struggled with like just ugly crying and being like what the hell 
Why am I crying? Like, <laughs> there has to be a purpose to this. Yep. And some of my really good friends are like, no, it's fine. You, there doesn't have to be a purpose to you crying. But I'm like, I'm trying to understand. I want to know why. It's kind of, it's because it's a fixer in me. I'm like, what do I need to fix when it's just like, you just got to sit. Yeah. Just gotta go through it. And sometimes I'll like, even now, and especially with November being as hard of a month as it was like mentally for me, it just challenged me in like ways that I like didn't know. I was recovering from the surgery. So I was like having to wear like literally old women underwear just mm -hmm. because like I was recovering. And I did not realize that that would have such a mental impact on me, but wearing this like literally granny underwear. Mm -hmm. And then that made me wear like darker colored clothes. Cause I was uncomfortable and I would wear like baggy pants. And then that made me feel gross. And it was just like, big crazy thing and I remember calling my mom on like a random night I was like she answered the phone she's like is someone dying like I was like hysterical and I was like mom I just feel so gross in these underwear mm -hmm. like I was like that's such a silly sentence but I could not mean it anymore that it just takes away this like confidence and you feeling good about yourself and like that was something so small but she never was like Casey it's underwear she was like okay like let's go get you a cute pair and the next day we went and got me a cute <laughs> pair of underwear that I felt good in and it's like such a little story but it was like I, I it was something so small that actually like had relevance and I was really upset about and her not her being like Casey get over it I was able to overcome it and I like got a new pair and I felt better and that's what led to being that slow recovery of feeling a little bit better yes like a hundred percent it's just the little things when I talk to people about like taking those like everyone thinks you take a big leap when you yeah. do things and I go, no, it's actually the little tiny baby steps that you take. Yeah. So even like reaching out and being like, okay, I'm wearing granny panties. It shouldn't affect me like it is, but it is. So let me go shift and buy a pair of underwear that makes me feel great. And that just like we, you and I were talking about self care. Like mm -hmm. that was the biggest self care thing I've done for myself in a long time. And it was just this feeling of like, Oh wait, like there I am. I'm back. Like I feel better. I can like, feel confident it turned into just this whole spiral of getting to where I am now where I'm like okay I think I'm out of like the fog and you know something I said during the naked networking panel is like vulnerability looks different for everyone mm -hmm. for me it's posting on Instagram and that might sound crazy to someone but it's putting it on my story it's making an Instagram post it's talking to people in my dms that's what it looks like for me but maybe for someone else it's just telling their family or their best friend or writing a blog or like doing art, everything looks different for people. Like it, mm -hmm. it is not a one size fits all thing. It can be whatever it is for you that helps you. Like you said, yoga, that's a beautiful way to connect to your body and something that was hard for you. Like it, it, it's kind of just whatever you create it to be. It doesn't have to be shouting it from the rooftops. Like, <laughs> right. That's, I mean, that's something that's super important to say too, because again, like everyone thinks like one size fits all and one size mm -hmm. definitely does not fit all. I mean, I did an exercise like that was like art therapy with working on my own money story. And I cannot tell you what was on the paper. It was just chaos, complete <laughs> chaos, except I drew a teddy bear. I'm like, what the hell is this teddy bear? And apparently I wanted a teddy bear when I, at a little age, so I'm like, fine, I am going to go take my butt to Builderware. And I am <laughs> going to be, I was 26 at the time, I'm like, I will be that 26-year-old acting like an eight-year-old, I don't care. And so the most, like, hilarious thing that happened was I had three women with me, they were just there supporting me going to get this Builderware. 
And so I am finishing up, I'm getting her birth certificate. And I turn around and I'm like, where the hell is everyone? Like, where did they go? Are they like in the hallway? All of that. And I'm like, whatever, I'm going to finish. I walk up to the cash register and the Build-A-Bear station was behind the cash register. And I look around, every single one of the women that were with me were getting their own Build-A-Bear. I love that. <laughs> so I was just like, damn, okay. Talk about like vulnerability and just like power. I'm like, I'm going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. I'm happy you're here supporting me. You don't have to get your own Build-A-Bear. I'm getting my own. <laughs> yeah, it's, I feel like they could see like the piece that you were like, because I, I always feel like I sound like Kippy, but I just believe in energy. Like I think mm-hmm. everyone just has an energy. You can walk into a room and you can feel if someone's in a bad mood. Like, you know, if oh, you yeah. walk into work and your boss is in a certain mood, you can just tell. It's because people exude energy. So like mm-hmm. you having this energy of like doing something for yourself and creating that, I'm sure those people were like, oh, I like the way that she feels. Like I want to feel the same way. And that's kind of what, Vulnerable, being vulnerable is it's like this very calm energy this very peaceful mm-hmm. here's my story here's where I'm at and people relate to that mm-hmm. it's such different energy that's like going on since we've got like so much like chaotic energy and stuff like happening with all of that yeah. um so yeah I mean we could do a whole separate other episode right. about yeah. like the universe <laughs> and energy and manifestation and like all of that I mean I could talk all day about that I have my own stories um, <laughs> but so we'll go to the final questions um what is a book resource podcast that has been super supportive for you that you would recommend to the audience Hmm. I this is such a the first book that I ever read um was by Portia de Rossi Ellen DeGeneres's wife and it was called like unlocking the light I think. Um, and it was about her struggle with Mm -hmm. an eating disorder and then it turned into her struggle with being gay and then it turned into her struggle with dating Elle. And it was just this whole book about all these like different struggles that all look different. It started with one and it turned into then being famous and then things she dealt with with that. Mm -hmm. It was the very first book I ever read relating to self-help in a way. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's why it's always like kind of stuck with me is because like it's a big thing to read a self-help book and a personal development. Like people love to judge that. And they're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, there you are with your personal development book. So it's like the first one is kind of scary to like rip the bandaid off, but I, there are nothing but good things that come from that. So like opening the door is always a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that book. What's it called again? I think it's like unlocking the light or something, something with like the light and it's Rossi. All right. It sounds like something I would want to put on my list yes. to read because I love personal. I'm like a personal development book junkie. I just love it. My sister is, and she like slowly chips away at me to read more and to listen to more. And she's always sending me ones to read. Mm-hmm. I think well, sending you ones to read one that would be good for you is Spirit Junkie by Gabby Bernstein. I already and, love the name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I love Gabby because um, she, she is a, um, practitioner and teacher of course of miracles that's a lot of what her basis is it's a big thick book it's really dense it's like a the bible version but a different version of the bible anyways side note she um the spirit junkie is just how she got over her own like eating disorder and becoming sober and sharing that struggle with that and she has another book that's separate with like her own like eating disorders and stuff and how she got through and teaching people to do it. But I think spirit junkie would be a good one for you 
just because yeah. like, she shares her struggle and about that and then talks a lot about the universe. So it might be a fun book for you. Yeah, that literally sounds like I, I'm putting it on my list. Like I love it. <laughs> so. <laughs> They're chipping away at you too. Um, where can everyone find you? So I am on Instagram at Case Karadin. It's C-A-S-E and then C-O-R-R-A-D-I-N-N. People always think my last name has two ends in it, but Case Crowden was just taken on Instagram, so I had to mm. add an extra letter. Mm. Um, but hopefully soon I will be having a YouTube channel. That is something I've like, I, I make videos all the time. I have like five videos queued up, but I'm just like waiting until I find the right one to put out first. But hopefully I will have a YouTube channel very soon. Okay. Well, when, once you do, we'll share it to the world. <laughs> spread it, spread it around. Um, what would you say has been your bravest moment? I, hmm, I feel like I've had a few that are definitely contenders. Um, probably would be this past, and maybe because it's just so recent, mm-hmm. but with this past surgery I got actually started from, they found precancerous cells in my uterus. Um, and my doctor was like, listen, you can get the precancer cells out. We can deal with the situation and get out and you won't have to worry about it. But we are going to let you know that you do risk, you do enter like high risk pregnancy. And because of the surgery, you will, you know, struggle with miscarriages. And that was really tough for me. Mm. I like took off a day of work because when she called, I just felt like my world had been like shift upside down because I'm like, I already have all these issues with fertility. And now you're telling me to willingly get this surgery. That's going to make it worse. Um, and it was really tough. I felt like I was like the worst phone call I'd ever received at the time. Um, but I decided to get the surgery because I'm like, my health comes first. And I, I'm a firm believer that science, like, I'm not having kids anytime soon. So when I do in five years, hopefully science has caught up a little bit and there's, you know, some help or some medicine, but choosing to get the surgery, knowing that it could affect my life later on, but it would help my health right now mm-hmm. was tough, but it has been, I'm very glad I did because they got the results back and she was like, yeah, we needed to get that out of you. They came back like pretty intense. So that was like kind of the universe being like, you did the right thing you chose the right path. And that was really tough. And it's this whole month I've been questioning it. I'm like, God, did I do the right thing? Like this has been the hardest recovery for me, but I did something for myself. And I think that's really important. Yeah. No, it's a really tough place to be in. And I, yeah. I, I mean, I acknowledge you and honor you for that because it would be really hard. Yeah. And that's something, cause I talked about, you know, I got a surgery mm-hmm. and I was in recovery on Instagram, but I haven't talked about exactly what it was mm-hmm. um, except for people in my dms because i think the cancer word is a little triggering for people mm-hmm. like i didn't have cancer i had precancerous cells but that's kind of like an interesting topic and it's i've been trying to navigate the way to talk about it because a lot of people have been dming me and i'm still dealing with recovering from that surgery so i think i do want to make a post coming up just kind of talking about it and mm-hmm. entering that world so people who maybe have dealt the same thing can I can connect with them because it's been very tough to kind of do it on my own. Cause no one I've known has gone through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find like a Facebook group of people who, so I connected through them, but nobody knows I'm like a part of that. So connecting on a social media I'm more active on is like my next goal. Yeah. That's really awesome. And one thing like I've learned in my own story is like you, you share when you're like mostly healed, mm-hmm. like 90% healed. So that way, like when you're 
in the middle of it. It doesn't come off as being trying to get attention or trying to get all of that. And you're more of coming from a service base. Yeah, I love that because I definitely didn't talk about my eating disorder while I was going through it. And I did not talk about endometriosis while I was getting diagnosed. Like it, mm-hmm. I love that because it definitely did come much later when I was able to like take a look back on the situation and just kind of be like, that's where I was. And then I'm able to talk about it. You also need time to like process it and like let that set soak in. So you understand and gain more clarity and feel like you're yourself again when something took you like really out of it. Yeah. So. Definitely. Well, that's really awesome. I mean, I loved having this whole conversation <laughs> with you. So one last question. What is your definition of brave? My definition of brave is, I think it's just owning who you are. I think it takes a lot for people to like own their insecurities mm-hmm. and to own the things that are wrong with them or the things they might not like. Um, but it's really brave to do that and to go into the situation. For instance, I struggle a lot with the thought of dating mm-hmm. with not being able to have kids one day. It's like, well, what guy is going to want to date me because I might not be able to have kids in the future. And it's this very like spiraling thought. Um, but owning that and knowing that like, if the universe, if that's down the road and the universe does not want me to have kids naturally, there are so many other qualities about me that that someone would want um, and that I can give to someone. So it's like owning the bad part and the good part I think is, is brave. And it's something I'm still working on, but I think that's something everyone could try to work at. And it's just like, you are a lot of good things and a lot of bad things, but that's who you are. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's just like owning all of all the parts of you again, like falling in love with yourself. You have to fall in love with, all of the parts of you. Yes. Especially is, if you want someone else to fall in love with you. Like if you're not in love with yourself, then like. Yeah. I, it's, it's very hard to project. Like I talk about energy. It's very hard to have mm-hmm. a good energy when you're struggling with something, you know, and you're not going to project this like loving relationship energy. If, if you're like inside, you're just kind of like self-destructing. Mm-hmm. Not just like owning. And like we said, before we started this podcast, self-care is like our big, goal and that is that is a part of self-care is like owning who you are Mm -hmm. yeah and self-care comes up in many different ways and all of that and I love what did you say about like owning I lost it (laughs) anyways oh energy there we go something felt it was important about like energy and then like we talked about like feeling it it's just Mm -hmm. like people want to like feel good but if you don't feel it you're still like lowering your vibe even more when you give ownership to it. You talk about it yeah. and it, you shift. I remember like one time I'm just sitting here. I'm like, you know what? I'm angry. And as soon as I acknowledge that with myself, like my whole energy and vibe shifted. I felt yeah. better because I acknowledged how I was feeling to shift instead of being like, oh my God, my energy is low. Like I gotta, I gotta raise it. I gotta make it better to like attract. Yeah. And you kind of give power to Mm -hmm. anger or your story. If you're dealing with like not telling your story, you know, you're giving power to the secret in your head and just taking the power back to yourself. I mean, like, no, this is my thing. I'm going to own it completely can change your whole life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Casey, thank you so much for coming on. Like, I love this conversation. (laughs) Like, I love talking about vulnerability all the time. I mean, when I first started my own journey, I'm like, vulnerability is my superpower, even though it terrifies me. (laughs) 
But yes, so thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Built Brave. If you love this episode, heck, if you like this episode, please head on over, give it a rate, review, subscribe, like, shout it out on your social media with your major takeaways and what you loved about the episode. And as always, tag me in that at Low Wentworth because I love hearing what you guys got out of the episodes. And until next time, remember... You've always been brave.